From Double J, it's the Take 5 podcast. The people you love, play the songs they love, and tell you why. If you ever asked me to recommend a live show that you could dance to, to sing along with, and that would fill your heart with joy, I'd tell you to go and watch Mama Kim Spender. There is a future in the air between us. The duo of Mama Kin and Spender collaborated earlier this year on their debut album, combining rousing, heartfelt songs with group singing and driving drum beats. They've both had a long history of solo music making, but in 2018 they decided they didn't want to go it alone anymore. That debut, Golden Magnetic, has just scored an ARIA nomination, and they've spent a lot of 2018 touring Australia and the world, picking up local choirs in every city to fill out their songs. Way before they were making music, they were friends and housemates. Years ago, they actually shared a rambling house in Melbourne where music was always being traded. With that long history in mind, I asked them to take five with the ties that bind, the songs they'd bonded over in almost 20 years of friendship. You'll hear that bond too. Hanging out with Dan and Tommy is like just being with your friends who know a hell of a lot about music. Amongst the music, we got a chance to reflect on the last 10 months since the release of their debut album and one particular moment in America that was a real highlight for Tommy. Yeah, we got a standing ovation at Red Rocks. That we was a did. career that highlight. Was what a venue that as was well. a career no. highlight. Have you been there, Zed? I've only ever seen pictures and it's on my bucket Dude, list. Just get there. Paint the picture for anybody yeah. who doesn't know about Red Rocks. It's like an alien launch pad or <laughs> that is built out of red ancient Red Rock. Like, it is the most steep amphitheatre you could ever imagine, but, like, carved out of the same material as Uluru. Like, yeah, it's, so, it's, it's so majestic and so impossible to conceive with the eye. And also, you're super high above sea level. And so, and you're in Colorado, so you're super high as and, well. <laughs> and it's dry. So it's super dry air, very little oxygen. So it's kind of, you already feel quite psychedelic mm. anyway. Mm. And then you're in this bizarre, like, super steep amphitheater that just ramps up with Got these huge nine and a half thousand seats yeah it's just wild so you're at the bottom of like it's like looking up at an enormous tidal wave of seats yeah and, and you're so playing you, up to them you're playing up that was that's the other weird thing mm. about performing there is you kind of you're looking up like your head is pitched upwards rather than down at the audience you're kind of looking up it's weird it's but cool. amazing just do it just go yeah well, just actually go there even if there's no band playing nah you got to go see a gig there it's it amazing. feels as well as though the bands and the artists who are playing get the best view in the house you're just like yeah, yeah the vista is incredible yeah oh, an experience We're going back just a couple of years to the first choice, Alabama Shakes and the title track to their record, Sound and Colour. How is this a tie that binds? Well, it was just a moment in music for me that was profound because of just, I'm a producer and a mixer, so it was the sound and the feeling of this, um, particularly this song, which it just knocked me for six. And um, I'm an enormous fan of Blake Mills as a guitarist and as a producer who worked on this album and has a huge hand in the way that this track particularly sounds with these really interesting string arrangements. The tones are just so rich and thick, just so delicious. It's just got a juicy sort of sound to it. And it's, it also takes such a risk, you know, because I think from where you look at that, where they were, the album before, they were kind of like a garagey 
blues band that had some really great hits. But it's it's an amazing leap of artistry that they sort of stepped into this almost psychedelic moments mm. um, and really exposed themselves to, to a whole sound, which I guess when I heard it, I just immediately sort of reached over and I was like, Dan, you've got to fucking get your head into this. And mm. you obviously, I think, already did. I was, yeah, already deep well into, head it. into it. And so it kind of was something that, I suppose over the course of our relationship as friends, we've always had like these pivotal moments where we're like, oh my God, that album, you know? And I yeah. suppose this song, this album and this this song, of course, is, is one of those moments for us where we just so wholeheartedly agree and speak in really, you know, passionate tones about it. And, and it was really present for us while we were recording Golden Magnetic as far as just a a kind of benchmark of craft yeah. and a benchmark of Vision. that sort of, yeah, that kind Literally. of, that, that immersing themselves in the songs and in the craft and in the sounds and like daring to just go to get really deep on each independent sound. And Tommy mm. did an amazing job of that, I reckon, on this album. Nothing, no stone was left unturned. And especially because we were working with such an economy of our instruments, like just me on drums and Tommy on guitar and our voices, um, we just really wanted to make sure that every element was full banger. Whoa. So it was kind of a benchmark of like that is the level of craft that we aspire to yeah. and bow down to, you know. Yeah, it was really. just that, that it was so it felt so fresh and yet so classic and just the songs and the delivery and the production just like, yeah, that's our altar for this record. Yeah. This next song is Taj Mahal and Tumani Diabati. It's called Queen Bee. Sweet little honeybee, baby, been sweet on me. Sweet little honeybee, my queen bee. Rock me to my soul. Love me to my soul, my baby, 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 to my soul. Rock me to my soul. Honey in your honey pie. What the body is hot. Honey in your honey pie. Is what you got This is like a, a literal bond, this song. Um, so Tommy and I have been friends 
since before either of us became parents. And when I um, had my first child, I literally I went to the hospital to give birth to her and I came back. And while I was gone, my neighbours checked my mail. And when I came home, there was a package sitting on the counter. And so I was only gone for 24 hours. And there was a package sitting on the counter and inside were two CDs. One was Chris Whitley, Dirt Floor. And one was this album, which is Taj Mahal with Chimana Diabate. And it became the soundtrack of that chapter of my life. I played it every time I was putting my daughter to bed. I would just put that on that in the house really loud. And still I put it on, I can see the light in that house. It's really, it's such an emotive kind of album for me now. It's such of a place. Um, but it was really this idea that he, there was this sense of him and our friendship in that time. Just so, and it was, the, those two albums became massive for both John and I as far as being awesome. Yeah, just such great albums. And yeah, just, I love it so much and even when it comes on now I just it makes me want to giggle and sing every lyric and I love it so much it's kind of that muscle memory thing isn't it just takes you it straight is. back and then you know and since then um, Tommy has become a beekeeper so the idea of a song called Bee really you know Queen Bee yeah. is really you know you, it's, you, it's definitely you, you keep beehives do you Tommy I do yeah wow For like last four years T- <laughs> tell me more I didn't know this uh, I love whenever you, when, it's hilarious. Whenever you just let it out of the hat, yeah. let, it out of, <laughs> let it out of the hat. You're a bee ke- keeper. Everyone's like bees. Well, it's not it's saying that every what everyone does. It is cool. It's a fascinating social, you know. In, the queen. Insect. Well, the queen bee. She's a specific. Like I'm not gonna. There's so much to talk about. He will but the, out the, so the, hard, just, this song is about the queen bee. The queen is just any other bee before she is selected by other female workers and they pick one egg in the hive i don't know we don't know what for what reason they choose a specific one if there is an actual you know predisposition or (laughs) (laughs) and the workers will feed her specifically uh royal jelly which is like excreted out of some glands on the abdomen and then she becomes the queen it's a little it's royal jelly like a bit like Roids? Like, is it like a superfood? <laughs> Stay with you me. You take yeah. it so seriously when I joke about your bees. Can we just talk about that? Is this a trigger for you? <laughs> Can I anyway, ask you, Tommy? Are they, so are, the they si- are they city bees or country bees? Well, I'm, I'm I'm an, I'm sixty-eight k out of Melbourne, down by the beach in the Mornington Peninsula. So they're, they're coastal country bees. bees. Coastal they're coastal. Bees. <laughs> yeah, they must be bees. really chill bees. They yeah, are man. chilled. Actually, they're not chilled they're not at chilled. all. I'm. I'm. It's a regular. It's a real. You know, nothing tastes as sweet as the honey that you harvest from your hive when you've been stung a number of times. <laughs> you've really it's felt just it. Like, it's just yeah. reward. The reward is a lot truer when you've got mm. big aching sort of like limbs and faces and stuff from stings <laughs> over the whole summer. Oh, my God. Next time I see you, I want a little pot of honey, please. Oh. Put the request in. Get in okay. line. Okay. Okay. I mean, you sort of mentioned that, Dan, that long-term friendship of 
you know, before you even had kids. But mm. if we go way back to the beginning, you guys actually used to be share house buddies, didn't you? All the way back. Well, no, in the that's day. actually no. We were share house buddies after I became a parent. Oh, that right. Was the so weird you had, thing yeah. about our share house yeah. is like we had a one-year-old and we're living with Tommy and his partner in Collingwood. And just I look back now and go, that was pretty wacky. Like even entering a share house situation. But uh, credit to everybody involved, it was. Awesome time. We were time. cool with it. We were all cool, and it was, was good. You know, our daughter Banjo was just like, you know, amidst all these adults who were totally very interested in her, and it was great in hindsight. When I you're living together as well, it. when you're living together and sharing a space, do you find that you're kind of, you know, discovering even more about your own musical taste because you've got the stereo, yeah. you're playing stuff, and, and introducing each other to your own, you know, vast music tastes from years before? Totally. Yeah. yeah. But totally. you know the. The interesting thing was the album that we heard most there was was John's Sunrise Over Sea because it was just before. He was mixing it. He was mixing it. Yeah. So we were all kind of checking it out quite a bit at that yeah. time. He was and, like drawing um, the he artwork. He was drawing at night. Um, he was, He'd sit there with his pens and draw and. And yeah. um, you know, it was like, wow, this is this is pretty crazy. So we're referring to John Butler, John Butler Trio, and the Sunrise oh, yeah. Over Sea being yeah. the album. And so we were all living together at that time, and we were just we were on this, you know, John and I were on the serious hustle getting that album out. Mm. While having a young kid a and living old. in a share house, it's amazing, it was, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty wild. It was it was a it was a great time. It was a really great time. You've chosen Gillian Welch, My Morphine from Hell Amongst the Yearlings as your next mm. choice. Yeah. Why this song? How does it bind you together? Or to music? Well, Danielle introduced me to this album. Uh, I was on tour with her brother and we would, we'd come through um, Mullumbimby because they were living, John and Danielle were living in Goonangarry, which is up in the... Northern the, New South Wales. Northern New South Wales, yeah. yeah. And for anybody who um, doesn't know, Dan, your brother is? Nicky Bomber. Yeah. There you go. Very musical family. All yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just writing this. So yeah, I just remember Danielle saying, "Oh, you gotta, you gotta check out Gillian Welch," and I was like, "Oh, I, I just hadn't, I'd never really been open to country music. It was, it was when I was really listening to a lot of jazz. It was when I was, and and for me, country, I was, I'd only dabbled in it, so it was a bit of a trigger. I just sort of thought of like, <laughs> you know, um, really awful, crass country sort of songs about trucks and stuff." When really the depth of it and the and the heart and the soul of it I'd not even sort of entered into. So it was just a, that an eye opening moment of like, oh my god, like listen to how new and old this mm, sound of totally. this woman and her partner are, the way they play together. It was just it was like a being given a drug, I think from mm. that point on. She was always in my blood, she still is. Mm. They are, you know. It's it's a big part of you know the benchmark of what we set to do in this project is it's like there's this duality of a of a male singer and a female singer and and what they do with their voices and the mm. way they shape and tone their voices to have this incredible sort of singular sound when it's really two unique voices. Yeah, like David Rawlings and the way he sings with Gillian, it's almost like he's a shadow or he's an aspect of her voice. Yeah. Sometimes even when I'm trying to decipher the harmony he's doing, I'm just like, what 
he, how is he? So he sits so in underneath not just the voice but the sentiment of the song. And full disclosure here, David Rawlings is my favourite guitarist on the planet. Like Incredible I, guitarist. Oh my yeah. god, I love. I I could watch him just do just so brilliant. And just his contrast to her, like she's just like holding down this, just this steady, almost uh, drum style guitar. You know, just like she's just holding the groove down with mm. her with her strumming, and then he's just like play, he's just like rippling over the top of it and underneath it and through it. Just brilliant. But that's but for me, so- it's the songwriting. Yeah, the songwriting. Like their songwriting and this the darkness, the dark turn. It total overturns all of that. If you do have kind of a, a hangover from bad country, this will cure you because yeah. it just ta- it fresh, just strips it back yeah. to true Americana songwriting, dark depth. You know, and it's timeless, man. It the stories timeless. are timeless. I was like, when I first heard it, heard it, Jeff Lang had actually given the album to us, Time the Revelator, and um, I remember just listening to it, and I was in the kitchen making something, and I just stopped everything and just went and knelt by the stereo to be close to the speakers and just sat there bewitched by the the words and the phrasing and just, yeah, it was a game changer for me. I wonder why I gave you Hell Among the Yearlings first. Is that I think that was where I was at at that time at the Gooningary. I'd gone back in her catalogue uh, and I yeah. was just like going deep into and yeah. Morphine. Morphine's such an amazing song. Yeah, well, it was hard to choose that song. We, but for me, it was my Morphine because I, I remember that was the song and the moment where I just thought, how do they do this like that? It's just incredible And just the, feeling. the holding of the economy of what they're doing. It's like yeah. it's just two people... Guitars, voices, like, and the tempo. I mean, this song is like it gets it's slower. Slow, yeah. And to keep slower. it this steady and this slow, yeah. and with this much emotional engagement, like, not just kind of vague out and sort of go, oh yeah. wow, I'd, you know, to just keep the intensity of oh, what yeah. you're singing about yeah. is so powerful. Yeah. Just own the intent, the only intention of the song, like the mm. intention of the song, the agenda of the song is morphine, right? Yeah. So. It's got to get slower, right? Yeah. Like it's got to like it's got to sit so deep into the aesthetic of what that intention is, and they just go there. And it was really great for us as another sort of reference point of our friendship and kind of creative bank of references of just going dare to be brave enough to sit that deeply in a song that you let it rest and you let it breathe and you let it have air. I
Next up is Jonas Policewoman with The Magic. I got deep into Joan as Policewoman and I was just really primed for that album to drop, The Deep Field, and I was not disappointed when it did. It was around the time that I was pre-producing my album, The Magician's Daughter. Tommy ended up being involved in that album, so I, Jan Skubashevsky produced that album, and we decided as a co-production team to actually have Tommy come in in the final week of recording to just put his ear across what we've done and to add feedback, which was a really brave move. You know, it actually says the most about Jan as far as his willingness to sort of crack open the creative production space. Mm. And... It was amazing, but that that track and that album was huge for me in the pre-production and another one that I introduced Tommy to was like, this is like the world that I would, you know, again, I would bow down to the altar of this in the making of this album kind of vibe. And, yeah, it's just been one of those artists and who's willing to kind of constantly push her own songwriting and production aesthetic and after this she went out and made a quite a soul sort of inspired album I just feel like she's such an inspiring artist as far as how she constantly pushes herself towards her most expressed creative version that she's at at that time you know yeah, do you remember when I introduced you to this? Oh, yeah, definitely. I remember this, this song was really, really, it's really stuck out to me because yeah. it was such a, a great pocket, such mm. a great groove. And then as I got more into the album, it was, it was like I really heard it through your ears as well, which was interesting because I don't think I naturally would have found my way to this album, but I, I was listening to what you were listening to. Mm. And that was really an amazing way to hear this record because then... From there, I was able to sort of listen to the record that you were making and kind of go, oh, wow, and frame it through that kind of reference. So, mm. Also, just the, you said the word pockets, like the grooves on this album are so sassy. Like they're really, <laughs> they're such a great drum groove. And the way she sings it and, mm. yeah, just the rhythmic quality. She's very rhythmic. Yeah, and very I went and rhythmic. saw this show with at in Frio, um, in Fremantle, at the fly at the old Fly by Night, so the big space, and there was literally like maybe two hundred people there, and I stood in the room just kind of agape and sort of clutching my chest, you know, just like trying to just keep my shit together to focus. It was it honestly still sits as one of the best live shows I've ever been to. Mm. 
one of those live albums where you go straight home with all your mates and um, continue drinking whiskey and put the album on. Yeah, like yeah. it's just like let's just put it on again. Let's just yeah. we got to keep listening to it. Like we're not done. So yeah, she sits very high in my regard. Love her. For the two yeah. of you, you know, the two of you, you've both played on your own projects over the years and solo, of course. And this year together, you've been playing as a unit, as a duo. Mm. What have you learned from that experience, sharing a stage together? <laughs> it's been really great. Like it's. Well, one of the first things that jumps to mind is is banter. You know, mm. like when you've got two lead singers, you have to work out how to share that role of <laughs> of, of speaking to an audience. You know, mm. we can't both speak at the same time. Who gets the um, singers? Obviously, yeah. Who get, well, we 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 try not to have anything prepared. It's like just yeah. going like just going cool. This is kind of your song. This is kind of my song. And we've only started doing that, and it's actually created a whole lot of freedom. Just go. This is your like. You talk here. I'll talk there. You talk. You know. Yeah. And that's been awesome. I think that one of the main things for me in this experience has been well. First of all, playing drums. I love it mm. too much. So much. <laughs> um, you can see that joy when you play as well. It's awesome. I love it so much. Um, and then just being on stage with like a super buddy. And feeling like we are so much bigger than the sum of our parts and leaning into that. So the safety and the risk in that of just going, it's just the two of us, but it's the two of us. Yeah. You know? And so that's just been a, a really, really cool experience. And I love it. I, I love getting on stage with, with one of my best buddies and I love getting off stage with him and just having the full you know, high five, embrace moment of like, yeah, we just did that again. We did it. We're doing yeah. it, and it's it's kind of translating. It's Some, so somewhere in cool. the middle of America at about week four of our tour, <laughs> after like maybe the twentieth gig, it was like we know this inside out now, and it was it was lesser kind of a um, academic sort of exercise and more just like wow, we've we've really we can really sing these songs now, mm. and we can really play our instruments in these songs. And, um, you know, you've adapted yourself to so many different playing situations. You've heard it in little theatres, you've heard it in big rooms, you've heard it in tiny rooms. You, you've kind of had to just fit it in. And then after all of that kind of um, shuffling around, what's what you get left with is the song and the mm. way that you sound together. Mm. And it's a empowering feeling of going, I just know exactly how this goes mm. and I know exactly that you've got my back mm. and, you know, the harmonies now that we sing, th there's no question that we don't get them right mm. pretty much 99% of the time, you know? <laughs> and if someone's a little bit off now, it's like you get a little look over, a little eye. <laughs> and a smile. A little smile and an eye like flicks over and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But generally it's pretty it's it's pretty exciting. So, And also there's this thing where we've got to be a little bit careful that we don't scare the audience with how how much shit we can give ribbing. each other. So much ribbing. Like, we, just, <laughs> we basically spend hours and hours together through the day driving and just getting through the, the, the slog of just the touring life that is the least glamorous part of, you know, you get the one and a half hour and And we're away from our partners and we're away from our kids. So it's got to be fun. So we so spend we most of our time so just getting shit. fun laughs just by really it's awful. shit jokes. It's awful <laughs> to each other. Awful, just being awful. <laughs> um, we had Jacob Diamond on the road. We've had Jacob Diamond on the road with us this tour. Take me down to the dark floor to think on the day. 
Um, so he's been on the tour and he kind of just came in and we were like, just hop in our car and use our gear and so like, share, share our, our bed. Comp, share our I shared bed. a bed with him. Yeah, it was like we've really just kind of like taken him under our <laughs> wing. Um, hey, Jacob. Um, and um, he, I think we scared him in the first few hours. He's like, is this, are you guys okay? Like, do you need to have like tour counseling or something? He's like, are we okay? What do you mean? Like, this is, this is good. We're doing well. Anyway, so just being careful about not taking that onto the stage and scaring people. Just like, we give people full, we're like, hey, just so you know, this is fully consensual. Everything that happens on stage, we're fine with. There's no unpacking. There's no passive aggressiveness. Like, there's nothing passive about what we're doing. It's all just aggressive. Final choice is a big one. It's oh, yeah. Lenny and always on the run. Oh, man. This is a recent realisation, <laughs> can I tell you? What? You Would haven't you... been a fan of Lenny your whole life? No, oh, that's not no. true. No, no, no. no a no. recent realisation that it's a tie that binds between oh, okay. us. So we were driving what, what, from like Caloundra, Caloundra to Port Macquarie for a show, yeah. which is a long drive. And, you you know, you have there's a lot of podcasts, a lot of convos, a lot of this and that. And I don't know how it came up. That, we, um, that Lenny, how Lenny came up, but we were I like, I think we're, were we talking about the the, the leather pants incident. Did we really? <laughs> Maybe. I don't think it started with that. I don't okay, think it started with like, this. Sorry, just like for anybody who wants we to love Google you it. Anyway. Oh my god, it's such an amazing thing. Can you just without <laughs> with, without explaining too, without explaining too much what happened with the leather pants? It's basically, Lenny was on stage. I mean, I don't want I don't want his career to be reduced to this. I, I he but was basically so on stage funny. in leather pants. He did an amazing no undies. rock move. No undies. Split the seam and his it's, penis. Package just, just, just fell forward onto just like wow. And uh, he recovers. Just, it recovers beautifully, tucks it back well. in and continues as he was. Anyway, but this is not what Lenny's <laughs> about. So we were in this car drive. Somehow, I think a Lenny, in the shuffle of songs, a Lenny song came on, and I was like, oh my God, Mama said. And he was like, what? Like, that was big for me. I was like, no, no, this album was huge for me like I think about this album and I'm just straight away I'm on the floor of my first ever you know living out of home experience and I'm laying on the floor possibly inebriated and just laying there listening to this album over and over again this album was massive for me it was like such a time in my life it was like dude and he went in what was it for you when was Uh, the time for you it was it was like probably year 11 yeah, I, I just remember I had it on a Walkman, and I probably listened to it over a thousand times. It was, yeah. it was also when I was really getting into um, photography, and I was spending a lot of time in the dark room. So I'd have it on my Walkman while I was developing mm-hmm. my negatives and and printing stuff. So there's a real um, focus on that sound for me because I was in that dark room. And just listening to just like his playing and his production, and he he was is so funky and just so kind of so it was so it was so fresh and it was so like Beatles inspired as well. Very Beatles. It was like this whole like soul Beatles um, kind of funk kind of funk groove, like but just like all the things, and then this wild guitar playing and this great all the things. And he was there was that poster of him on that chopper bike that was always. I don't know that poster. Oh my god, he's like the coolest looking dude you've ever seen, and he's on a really dangerous looking motorcycle. I was like. That guy's pretty much the coolest rock star <laughs> I've ever seen. Time. So then, it's so also my first concert. 
Oh my, my first God. ever. Yeah, first ever like big like yes, you can go to a concert was um, my parents let me go. How old were you? I must have been about 16 and or 17. who did you go with? Oh, you went with like buddies. Yeah, went <gasps> buddies. Yeah, we went to see. I've was, never seen him like Are you going to go my way? Wow. Um, it was out at that point. Wow. And we went to the tennis centre and it was so good. And he had Cindy Sherman on. Not Cindy Sherman. Um, Cindy... Blackman, uh, the female drummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was amazing. She's a total She's in the video clips boss. as well, isn't she? She's in yeah, the yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, it was just... And then so what we did is after we had this realisation and talked about it and talked about it and talked about it until we got to the accommodation, the next day when we had another big drive, we, we just on. put the album on. And we were like a couple of seriously just gotten their licence kids <laughs> and just, you know, like screaming literally screaming the out the window of the tiny rental car we were in. Screaming like, the solos? I'm always on the run. Always on the run. Yeah, like, yeah. And then they're... you got to sing those guitar solos. I was singing the guitar solos. We were doing... Yeah. And Jam. can I confess, I never got into another Lenny Kravitz album again. Like, yeah, it was just a same. time and a place for me. Yeah. yeah. Working out that it was a time and a place for both of us. And and also we were like, cool, our next album, man, before we go into the, the studio every day, we're just going to play Lenny Kravitz yeah. songs. That's probably not going to happen. But just the idea <laughs> just of like, that one. I like air drum. I was like air drumming in the car. Air we drumming. Were, oh, man, all the things. Kravitz, always on the run, bringing home a joyful take five full of love, friendship and killer song choices. Please know that Dan, Tommy and I were all singing along uh, those guitar solos very loudly as they played out in that final tune. Next time, we're staying local with another dead set legend, one of the most magnetic musos in Australia, Patience Hodgson. Longtime lead singer of The Greats, cafe owner, craft fiend. We grew up with The Greats, and on the 10th anniversary of their Teeth Lost Hearts One album, we're taking five with growing pains. Next time. This is Sarah Blasco. Hi, this is Rachel from Slow Dive. Hi, this is Beck, and I'm taking five with Zam. Thank you, Zam. The Take Five Podcast. The people you love play five songs they love and tell you why.